talked about this on the show, but a few, like, maybe months ago, it might have been in September, so we're in November now, as of, as of recording, November 1st, so this might have been, so September is a few months ago now, but I think it was early September, late August, I ordered from a website a physical copy of Untitled Goose Game. And the reason I did it is because I saw an adverti- an advertisement for it on a website. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy a physical copy of Goose Game. I've, I haven't played Goose Game, and I'm excited to play Goose Game. And on the Switch store, it's $20. And on the website, for a physical copy, it was $30. And I was like, that seems like a good price to pay for Goose Game, to support these indie developers all the way uh, down under in Melbourne, Australia. Um, my homeland. And... <laughs> That was stupid. <laughs> anyway, and um, so so I'm, I'm paying for I'm, I'm buying this goose game. I put it in the cart, proceed to shipping, proceed to tax. Oh, with shipping and tax, it's going to be forty eight dollars. Hmm. And I was past the point of like caring about the price where I was like, I want this. And it comes with like some stickers and like a little map of the town and stuff like that. So I did pay forty eight dollars for goose game. And hmm. then I forgot about goose game because it didn't come. Uh, I mean, it was it was for like a pre-order, and it said it was shipping in early October. Okay. And by like October tenth, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if Goose Game is coming. So you can imagine my surprise today when I received an email from FedEx saying your package has been shipped. Uh, your package has arrived, and I was like, I didn't. What did I order? That's weird. So I have this package, and I'm looking at this package, and it's unopened. I'm like, what is this? What's in this? And I open it up. And it is a it is a copy of Goose Game. Good. And I haven't I haven't started playing it, but I just I think that's a life update that I'm very excited to play the Untitled Goose Game. Have you played it? I, uh, I have not. Um, my girlfriend did. I thought you were gonna tell me that you had then bought it also digitally because you forgot you pre-ordered <laughs> it. So now you spent sixty eight dollars on this game that you really uh, didn't want to spend twenty dollars on to start. You know, it's weird that. Like, that is exactly what I... I can't believe that didn't happen, now that you sort of say it like that. I think the good thing is I've been distracted by a lot of other games, um, but that sounds exactly like something that would happen to me. However, it's Hitbox, a podcast where me and my good friend, me and my good buddy, me and my good pal, friends from work, if you will, associate Justin Magovich, we we talk about all things video games, past, present, and future. My name is Peter Hunspitek, and... um, and, and Justin Makovich is also here. I sort of said his name earlier, so I don't know. I sort of I'm stumbling through this a little bit. I like how, how it went from like like we're close friends to suddenly <laughs> like acquaintances from work in that yeah, stream like, of thoughts. Just sort of we we know each other from work, kind of like across the room, sort of wave at each other. No real interaction or talking outside of it, though. We're little. Here's some sort of behind the scenes fun fun facts about the podcast. Is uh, Justin doesn't talk to me until we start rolling it's kind of like uh uh steve harvey or uh apparently ellen i think is this way too where like it's in the contract like don't you fucking look at me so um just save all the material yeah we we talk about nothing before we start recording we don't go through anything we don't talk about sonic consistently yeah i had another I was gonna have another intro about Sonic and like like ser- like not as a bit, but just as like oh I, you know Sonic's fun to talk about. And then I realized like I've literally talked about Sonic. Uh, this would have been the third week in a row, um, but we're not talking about Sonic. So I went with, I went with Goose Game because I was gonna put that in what I've when I've been playing, but I haven't been playing it uh, because <laughs> it came today. But uh, I thought that fun story 
uh, would have been fun. But speaking of what you've been playing, what have you been getting into? So I'm still I'm still going in the Genshin Impact. I do have to say my enthusiasm is slowing down for it quite a bit. Okay. Um, and it's it's nothing other than the fact that I you know I see where it's going. I know what you're doing in it. I have characters I like, um, and uh, I, I I feel like now to get to the next big beat of the story, I have to raise my adventure level to a certain degree, and I'm just not really into the doing the dailies as much anymore. I've explored the whole map that I have and everything, so. I feel like, you know, I might check in once in a while. Um, they're ad- advertising uh, a couple, a new patch with some new characters coming out. Um, hmm. So I'll, I'll see what's going on when that happens. But I, I got to say, I think I'm, I'm, I'm putting her down for now. He says probably playing it for another 20 hours. <laughs> I um, The other day, I uninstalled it from my PlayStation. And it was the kind of thing where it, it lived in my PlayStation for much longer than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Where like I was like, yeah, maybe I'll go back to it. And then the other day, I was like, no. Goodbye, Genshin Impact. I don't want to look at Ponyo's face. Not Ponyo. Uh, Paimon. Paimon. Like, I don't, I don't want to look at Paimon's face anymore. It's, Goodbye. It's just good to have on the phone. Like, it's fine Oh, there. yeah. Good place for it, minus the fact that it's sometimes frustrating to do some combat with it. But, hey, I'll, I'll check it out once in a while. That makes sense. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, I've also been playing Layers of Fear, um, a game that uh, I, I realize I have on multiple devices. Um, I bought it for my Switch. Uh, probably a year ago when it was on sale around Halloween. And mm-hmm. then I also got it, I think it was through Amazon Prime Gaming. It was like a free game. Hmm. I also have Layers that... of Fear 2, by the way, that was also free ver- via the Epic Store. Interesting. I didn't even know they made a second one. Yeah, it's different and better from what I've heard. But uh, so do you like Layers of Fear? Because I played it. I played it. It was free on gold, games with gold, uh, probably my freshman year of college. I play. I, I finished it. I played it all in a, a single sitting. I think. Did you like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like. It's fine. Um, I, I think the the tension that they build at the very beginning of the game is pretty strong. I feel mm-hmm. like something scary is going to happen, but then nothing ever really scary happens. I thought it was going to get in this like crazy, like psychological mess with your head type of thing. Cause for those of you who don't know, the game is basically you play an artist who is uh, at least the part I got, I think you're the artist and you're kind of wandering yep. through his house. Um, and it's kind of dealing more with the psychological impacts of the creative process and things and the relationships and people you heard along the way to be successful. At least that's what I'm trying to grab from it or grabbing from it. Um, and, I keep expecting creepy stuff to happen, but it's just basic kind of like a ball or a rat runs in front of you um, or you fall down a, a place when you're looking at something and none of it's like subverting my expectations in a, in a way that I think good horror does and not messing with me psychologically um, enough. Yeah. So uh, overall, if I'm thinking about what the best spooky games I played this month were, um, none. <laughs> none? You didn't like, uh, well, actually, yeah. It sounds like you didn't play good ones. Yeah, I was trying. I really I'm was, thinking. but I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't get there. I, I, I should. I should have gone back and played Majora's Mask because didn't they just celebrate the twentieth? By the way, that makes me feel old. They did the twentieth anniversary of it being released, uh, which is crazy to think about. And it's a twentieth anniversary. Nintendo's been so good about these milestones, and they did nothing for Majora's Mask. Put it on the Switch. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey, we talked about layers of fear for 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave this in, but I'm going to cut some of that out. Yeah, of course. So it's gonna, this is going to be at like the five minute mark and people are going to realize like, wow, they had a lot to say about layers of fear. <laughs> and um, 
<laughs> so today our topic is layers of fear. I'm just kidding. Uh, can I talk about some games real quick? Sure. What else have you been playing? Okay, so the first thing is I've just been continuing to play Final Fantasy VII. Um, it's a pretty good game. I'm enjoying it, and that's all I'll say about it because I feel like I have nothing new to say other than I'm still liking it, still enjoying it, still getting through it. But I've also been, I finished Return of the Oberdin, and Justin, let me just say, I have never felt, that might be, this might not be true, but in recent memory, I have never felt as accomplished as when uh, I got a little message on screen that said there is nothing more to discover on the Oberdin. and i was like oh there we go i because last time we talked about it i had put it down so in case you haven't listened um or aren't aware the return of the Oberdin is a puzzle game where you it, it, the year is like 18 something and this ship that was thought to be lost returns to uh the harbor and everyone on it is dead, so they send a insurance like contractor out there to see sort of what happened. And you have this magical stopwatch that turns back time, and you get to witness like the last thirty seconds or so before uh, someone died. And so you have to figure out what happened to sixty individual people um, on the ship. And spoiler alert: most of them died in really horrific ways. But it's it's a really it's like a big logic puzzle crossword essentially because you have to start thinking about like okay. What is this? What is this guy doing? I, I've got fourteen memories that this guy is involved in. What is he doing in every single one? And then you start to realize, like, okay, why is this guy hanging out with this? So why is this guy who's not in uniform hanging out with this guy who is in uniform? Because I know that this guy who's in uniform is like the third mate on the ship. So why is this guy hanging out with him? Oh, he's the third mate steward, which is why they're hanging out all the time. So then I put that down, and you're like, okay, so if that's the third mate, Stewart. Then that guy, and it just like it, it gets yeah. like more and more and more. Like it, it, it is truly a game that made me feel like a detective. It made me feel very smart um, in the way that I've played a lot of Sherlock Holmes games because I like that kind of thing, and a lot of those games feel very railroaded into saying like giving you the res- the correct option, even if you did not arrive at the right conclusion, but the return of the Oberdin is a game is probably one of the best games I've played this year and is very good. Um, and then additionally, I've been playing or I finished playing. I started and finished. Couldn't talk about it last week, um, but I played dark pictures, little hope, which is like un- until dawn. It's, it's like the next entry into the dark pictures anthology. And I enjoyed it thoroughly and I played it for review and my review is up written and video at dualshockers.com. So if you have any interest in, in my thoughts on that, that's what it is. It's good. It's pretty good. I'll say it. If I had to put a number on it, which I did, it was 7.5 out of 10. But we're not here to talk about uh, psychological horror games. No, no, silly goose. We <laughs> honk, you know, from Goose Game. Uh, <laughs> silly, <laughs> silly goose. Uh, now, we mischief. talked about that like two weeks ago. We talked about that like two weeks ago in a... In a in an episode so if you're interested in that you can <laughs> go listen to that but um now we're going to talk about some unpopular gaming opinions both of us have sort of written down five here to talk about and i'm really interested in what you have to say justin i'm looking at your list and i disagree with you on a few of these well that's so why I, they're unpopular and that and that's it and you know what's awesome about video games and i'm like i am saying this with 100 sincerity like the cool thing about games is that some people, and this is going to sound dumb and basic, but like some people can really like a game and then others can really not like it. And both of those people are right. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I there's so many, like people make, a, if someone makes a video 
about on you and puts it up on YouTube saying like, I actually think that Halo Combat Evolved is bad. Like a bunch of people in the comments are like, I hope you literally die. I hope someone comes into your house and literally stabs you. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> that that took it far. You didn't need to say that. It, what's cool is you get to like your thing and I get to like my thing or not like your thing or whatever. And that's okay. And I, so I'm and, interested. And yes, like Ron? for me, like when I'm thinking about this kind of stuff, my favorite book of all time is The Hobbit. And it's not because that is a piece of like literary gold because it's kind of written poorly and kind of garbage. Sure. But like for me, it's it's such a time and a place of that was like the first book I read that was a chapter book when I was mm-hmm. young. I read it, I think, in third grade the first time I bought it and read it, which was I was young to read a book like that. But I, I just fell in love with that, fell in love with the world. And like today, you ask me what my favorite book is, it's that. And like it's it's not because it's the best book ever. For me in my life, that's what the best right. book was at that time that kind of got me into reading. So, you know, like video games are 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 just like any other medium that we have opinions about them, that we like them, we play them in different times and places. And I and I feel like when I was thinking about my list of unpopular gaming opinions, a lot of this stuff has has me looking back at older games and older things mm-hmm. in the light of where I am right now in 2020, being like, actually, I, I think everyone's opinion on this is wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I would also, I would like to caveat this conversation as well by saying like, and, and correct me, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm going to speak for you. So if I'm wrong, tell me. Cool. I wouldn't say that either of us are trying to be like contrarian. In fact, I really dislike people who are like, this popular thing is actually bad and I'm very smart. Uh, and it's like, well, no, they actually, it's good. And also for you, it could be bad. And those are different. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And, and like, I, I didn't think of this list about what's going to get the most clicks or what's going to piss the most people off. Right, right. So so I want to I hear your first one. Okay, so my first one, and this kind of fits with what we were talking about with spooky games, um, and that's Resident Evil 4, in my opinion, is not a good game. I don't get the hype around it. People say it's one of their favorite games of all time. Um, it's, you know, uh, a time and a place, I guess. But it just went... I remember this game when it first came out. I was really excited about it. I remember going through my mm-hmm. Nintendo powers and like seeing the the images of Resident Evil 4 and how good those graphics were going to look on the GameCube and how how like realistic those graphics looked. And at that time, I mean, they were ridiculous. I forget what what year this came out in. Um, but like even then for a GameCube game to look as good as that was like amazing. Right? Did you did you get the chainsaw controller? No, I didn't. I did not. That, like that does not look like it would be good for anything. <laughs> no, it does not. I was like 2004. Am I making that up? That's too early. Oh no, it's 2005. Like... January oh, 11, 2005. And like I got it the the minute it got out. It was like one of the ones I had like pre ordered and like yeah. I, I got it and I played it. Um, and I immediately when I was playing it. It was it was a little spooky to me. Like I was at that time like fifteen, um, and like I, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of spooky games to begin with. So there's a little bit of like like tension that was in there, um, but then very soon it became this like action shooter. Yeah. And then once you get uh, to like the castle segment, I think we talked about this on a previous uh, podcast. It becomes like goofy. And it, yeah. it, 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 it still kind of like creates tension and everything, but it becomes this goofy escort mission kind of it. it the tone is all off for me. Um, and I, I went I never beat the game, so maybe it gets better at the end. But I've watched, as you were saying, you never runs. beat it. I've never beat it. 
Interesting. I, got, it doesn't get, I mean, it doesn't get less goofy. I'm sure it gets worse, <laughs> if anything. Yeah. Um, but I got to the castle segment, and then I kind of stopped playing at that point. And I, I tried to replay it again, and I got almost to the same part, and I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Um, and when I go back to play it now... The reason I can't beat it is the controls are horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. they are not great. It's not easy to control. I was actually, just before you were calling, I, I uh, recently bought it for, like, three bucks or something like that. And I was replaying. I was starting to play it again. And I got, like, through that first segment. I was like, boy, I cannot. I'm not going to be able to finish this. These controls are absolutely garbage. I, it's hard for me to see this as, like, being one of the best games of all time. Because you look at, like, top, ga- top gaming lists. This is one that's pretty frequently found in yeah. the top games of all time. And I, I, it's hard for me to see it. I don't enjoy playing it. And I think I missed out on playing it when it just came out, when I, when I could be used to those controls and everything would be fine for right, me to have right. the same kind of affinity towards it. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't foresee this ever, my opinion on this ever changing. How about you? What are your Resident Evil 4 thoughts? Uh, so actually, I really like Resident Evil 4. I've only played it maybe once or twice. And I, I, I think it's actually very good. Uh, I, I would say that the goofy level, like, it has, I think it, it does not ever get better than the opening. When, like, you roll up at the town and you're like, what's up, guys? And then they all come out of the doors and you're like, I take it back. It yeah. was a prank. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, like, the chainsaw guy shows up and whatever. And then they all dip, right? And, and like, that is, I think, the peak of it. Uh, I think immediately after that, it, it does deflate. And it does, like, lean into the goofiness level of it. But I would say that... Um, you look at the way that, I mean, Capcom is not known for their incredible stories and incredible writing. So I think that them leaning a little bit more into that and saying like, okay, well, we're not going to be able to write this very good. So we might as well just sort of lean into that a little bit more. Makes, makes sense to me. I, I like Resident Evil 4. And, and, and it might it, I think the remake might bring an audience member like me in because, you know, the fans of the game will play it no matter what. And they'll complain about right, it because right. that's what that's what gamers do. But like, I think that for me, having the updated controls, it might make me compelled to beat the whole thing. But even then, I don't know if it's going to be if it's going to be more of the Resident Evil 2 remake or a Resident Evil 3 remake where people were really high on the Resident Evil 2 remake and the Resident Evil yeah. 3 one. It seemed like it's just fine. But that's because the base game isn't as good. So maybe yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I have a question for you. Yeah. If if they, you know, obviously graphics don't necessarily matter, but you know, presentation as a whole is important. If if the graphics looked better and the controls handled better, but it still maintained the same level of like, okay, it's kind of freaky at first, but then immediately becomes like dumb and campy. Is that going to be interesting to you, or like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, if they don't rewrite it, is it going to be still as like an inaccessible to you? I think they can do that. I, they can remake this game, and I think they can change the the bad parts about it, and like mm-hmm. still keep it good. And what I mean the bad parts, I mean like the stupid button presses when you're like pressing the A button to like avoid rocks or giant robots right, 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 and right. stuff. Like I don't think the the remake will have a place for that. I don't think it should, unless they're gonna sure. be like, well, we need to keep that stuff in there. But removing that stuff and just making it kind of like a spooky atmospheric shooter game, um, I I think. It, there's potential to make it better in my opinion but again i didn't like the game to begin with so i was gonna say here's the thing i hear your opinion and i agree with you but i i don't think that people would like that because it it is so popular that they do do a lot of changes to it i think that if they were like gonna drop all the camp and drop all of the like all of that stuff i think people would be very upset but 
I do agree with you, personally speaking. All right, what's what's one of your unpopular opinions? All right, let's talk about this real quick. And I've gotten in like, I've gotten in like yelling fights with people, and by yelling, I mean they are yelling at me, and I'm like, I just didn't like the game. Like, I'm sorry, I just didn't like it, and that's okay because it felt like homework. And that game is The Witcher Three, and I tried, Justin, I tried to like The Witcher, and I didn't like it because it felt like school, and I was playing it at school, and I didn't want to be doing school when I was at school. You know what I mean? Do you mean like you were in a dorm or you were like legitimately yeah. in like a class? <laughs> like, oh, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> like, like when I was like, okay, done with homework for the tonight. Got it. Time to study the history of Glambrech, the five horsemen of, and it's like, I can't do this Witcher. Um, so I didn't, I did not like the Witcher three and that, that is half of my unpopular opinion. The second half is that, because I didn't like it, it makes me kind of like nervous about cyberpunk because it looks a little bit more like my thing. Not that I don't like high fantasy because I do, but it looks a little bit more like I'm not going to have to learn about the history of the – do you see what I mean? Like well, I just – I think I part, part of it is though that cyberpunk is also based on a ton of deep lore that you could – that they could rely heavily on with it being like the cyberpunk. What is that? A, what was the game or is it a book? No, it's like, it's like a, a D and D type of thing. I think, wait, let me, let me just double check. Um, but it's thing. based on source material. Okay. Well, cause, cause with the Witcher, it's like time to read. And it's like, no, the Witcher, I don't want to read. <laughs> I don't want to read right now. Uh, so I hope I, I assume cyberpunk isn't going to be like here catch this AK-47 and also read this book about the AK-47. <laughs> um, but you know what's weird? When I was playing The Witcher and when I did like finally set it down because I put I gave it a good college try, no pun intended. Like I I played it for five six hours. Um, but I remember thinking like you know what this would be better I think for me personally if it were like a TV show or something like that. And I guess the universe used it the one time it was listening to me to make a tv show for the witcher which i still haven't watched but it looks good but like i'm mad that that was the time that the universe listened because i would be like there were some other there i'll say this there were some things higher on the priority list for me than witcher tv show (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like sort of humankind related and also personally but um yeah so uh it's uh cyberpunk is a tabletop game Okay, well that's fine. Yeah, so that that's the source material from it. I think it initially started from a book that was written um, a while ago, and then they turned into a tabletop game, and then they based the cyberpunk universe off of this tabletop game. But I, I think that's also scary because that's probably going to be pages and pages of lore that they're basing this stuff off of that they're going to inject yeah. in here. So unless you're familiar with it, it might be the same thing. But personally, I don't disagree with you one bit about The Witcher 3. Um, mm-hmm. And I also am... I was hopeful for cyberpunk, but I'm getting more and more yeah. less hopeful. That was bad grammar, but I'm getting less hopeful about it being a good game. And several reasons, like before we even like go into anything about that, the The Witcher is a third person action game. Yeah. Cyberpunk is a first person shooter game. So I would automatically feel like they are going outside of their wheelhouse to do that. Not that companies can't do that. I mean, look at, you know, uh, Naughty Dog going from your Jack and Dexter's and your Ratchet, not Ratchet and Clank, uh, Ratchet and Clank? 
No, they crash, did, crash, uh, crash, crash Bandicoot. They're all the same to me. Um, but yeah. going to those kind of games to going to something like The Last of Us, right? Like that that's yeah. you can change and you cannot stick with what you used to, but um when reports kept coming out that you know the the first person melee doesn't feel good when you're playing it and that kind of you stuff kept interesting coming out here's, here's a secret first person melee never feels good <laughs> it's always bad because it's the combat from minecraft <laughs> and they're this it's always the same yeah. sorry go on well well but like with that kind of stuff like you know like that had me worrying it but then this week what happened, Peter? Cyberpunk was delayed an additional, what, 21 days? 21 yep. days. So now it's going to be coming out December 10th, which really, uh, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> Again, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not, like, this is not going to be, this game would have to do some serious work for me to, for it to be, like, the best game of the year. Here's the thing. I think this game, and this is kind of how it is with every game, I think this game will either be, for me personally, very good or like a total miss. Like, I don't think I'm going to be kind of like, yeah, it was okay. I think it's going to be either like, oh, I couldn't stop playing it. I, I did all this stuff. Or it's going to be like, yeah, I, I I bounced off it pretty hard in the same way that I bounced off The Witcher. Yeah, I so The Witch, like going back to The Witcher, I, I when that game first came out, I bought mm-hmm. it because I'm that kind of person. Are you saying The Witcher 3 or like the first Witcher? Uh, the Witcher 3. Because may, may I also add that I think that and this might be, I, I didn't read, I couldn't do the reading because it was just a lot of assigned reading from Professor Witcher. But when I was playing The Witcher 3, uh, it felt like I was missing out on a lot of stuff because it was The Witcher 3. Whereas I think it might be better in Cyberpunk because it's the first one, but I also don't know. Yeah, I, 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 that was also one of my things because I was like, I started playing it and I wasn't hooked immediately. The story was confusing. So then I like tried to jump in and look at lore from The Witcher 1 and Witcher 2. And a lot of people were saying like, well, those, those games have good stories, but I wouldn't recommend playing them first. I'd recommend playing Witcher 3 because it's a better game and just get the story and stuff. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, and really, I think The Witcher 3, the, the storytelling in it is a slow burn. You know, yeah. like how everything goes. Like you're kind of dropped in the middle of this world as a character that you don't really like ever. <laughs> My personal opinion of Geralt. Um, yeah. And then you start to to really the the thing I appreciate about that is not the main story, but it's the side quests mm-hmm. that really start to become interesting. And my first playthrough, by the way, I didn't beat it or I didn't continue playing it. And I played it, I think, last year from the beginning to end. Um, and the game is good. I'm going to give it that. Like mm-hmm. I, once, once I kind of plowed through it and kept going, it's a good game. It's yeah. not like an amazing game. It's not like the, the level of game that people like, I think talk about it with it being the most perfect game ever. Um, that it is one of the best games of the generations. I, I don't believe that at all. Um, and I think for me, The Witcher reminds me a lot of Red Dead Redemption Three, Two. Red Dead Redemption Two. It reminds me of that that same kind of game that you have to yeah. take your time with it. You have mm. to invest yourself in that world, and you can't play it like a regular video game of, of what what you're exp- what you're expecting by right. you know tr- fast traveling to waypoints and doing all this kind of stuff. Like that's not how you should in- engage with a game like that. You got to just sit down and let it let it take its pace with you, and there's a time and a place for a game like that. And it's not always that for me. Um, and, uh, I totally 
appreciate and understand why people love this game, and I totally can understand people who don't like this game like you. I'm happily in the middle with it. Um, one more thing, and then we'll move on, is that someone, this person I was arguing with, and again, I wasn't arguing. I was just like, I just didn't like it. And like, but you did the side quest. I'm like, I don't care. I didn't like to play it. The game part of it was not good for me. Um, but one of the arguments they used for the game being good was that his beard grows and his hair grows in, in real time and you have to get his hair cut. I'm like, hey, that's not the game. That's just something that happens in the game. So um, what's your next thing? So my next uh, opinion that yes. some may call unpopular, Nintendo 64 kind of sucks. Okay, you're going to have to do a lot more of the heavy lifting on this one because... I have played the Nintendo 64. My sister had one, uh, but my, my sister is younger than me. We got it like retrospectively, um, but we did not grow up. That was not our era. We grew up with the GameCube. So you're going to have to fill me in a little bit. Why do you think that? So the Nintendo 64 itself, um, obviously that came at the time when we were going from the 2D to the 3D, and yep. there was an, that's awkward growing pains in video games. Mm -hmm. um, and because of those awkward video, uh, growing pains, I think a lot of these 3D games that you go back to play um, are kind of unplayable <laughs> sure. to, because of, you know, they're figuring things out. They're figuring out the camera um, yeah. like like Mario 64. That camera is one of the worst cameras ever. But at the time, it was one of the best cameras ever. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> For a 3D game. And people look back at N64 games, specifically Nintendo first-party ones, very fondly about them being like, like you know, Mario Kart 64 for people my age is like a great, is a great game, which isn't bad, but like there are huge performance issues with that game. And the like, I believe it was like like two player. If you were playing with multiple people, two player uh, on split screen just didn't have sound. You didn't have sound when you're playing that multiplayer. Is that true? Like, yeah, it just is wrong. <laughs> Um, and that game is like, it doesn't run well. There's some issues with it. It's, it's fun to kind of game break it though, obviously, like mm -hmm. with most games to like, you know, beat like course times and things like that. The, 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 the games themselves, there are some good ones, but I don't think they really hold up to today. And I know the, the reason I say this, you said Majora's Mask is one of your favorite games. Uh, I think we said, we were talking about this before, um, before we started recording. Yes. I would say I would say if, if press, I would probably answer that Majora's Mask is my favorite game. When did you play it? Where did you play it for the first time? I played it on the GameCube with the um, if you like pre-ordered uh, Wind Waker, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, you got like a disc that had um, the first two Legend of Zeldas, so the N sixty four ones, and uh, not the N sixty four ones, the N the NES ones, and then it came with Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, and then like a twenty minute demo of uh, Wind Waker. And part of that is like with the original game um <laughs> there are some things that just like not with just majora's mask in general but like there are good games on n64 don't get me wrong i'm not saying that there's nothing good on n64 like ocarina of time i think that's a good game i think um uh, majora's mask is a good game i think smash is a good game for what i was just complaining about i think uh, mario kart there's some good stuff there but the I think our memories of those games are either changed because of remasters or remakes that we've played of them, mm -hmm. or we're just looking at our, our childhood with rosy co colored glasses because have you ever put an N64 controller in your hand? So I want to talk about this. So like I said, my sister had an N64 like retrospectively. She got it from like a garage sale with like a ton of games. She beat Ocarina of Time on that, on that cartridge 
which is insane to me because again, we grew up playing Ocarina of Time on the GameCube, mm-hmm. and I like she's playing it. I walk in, I'm like, yeah, let me give, let me give this let me give this a shot. Holding that controller, it's like it was designed for a race of people who had three hands. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it's like why did sense. they do this? Yeah, it's just very uh, so, it's so very yes, confusing. Have, it's very confusing, like that controller in general, and I don't think it fe- feels good in your hand. I don't think like it makes playing games better on that. Um, and you have the controller and the games and then the performance stuff. And there's not that many games on the GameCube that are worth going back to. And plus at the time, the, did I say GameCube? Yeah. Yeah, I meant uh, N64. There are not many good okay, games on the N64. Um, there's some really good ones, but like a handful of them. But I, I just, I was trying to think about like my, my you know, thoughts about N64. And I have a lot of critiques about Nintendo in general, but I think one of them was that the N64 was only good in my rosy-colored child eyes, but as an mm-hmm. actual game console, it was not a success. Sure, that makes sense. I mean, I, I would probably say going back and looking at certain GameCube games, it's like, well, they might not be as good as I remember them, but I think the important thing is, like, and we've probably talked about this at some point or another by saying, like, it would be it would be foolish to call a game like Mario sixty four or you know even something like Resident Evil four that we just talked about saying like mm, maybe it's not so good. It would be foolish to not say that they were influential, and and foolish to not say that they weren't are not important in the terms of like gaming and what it has influenced and changed about what we play today. Because obviously, without games like those, the games that we play today would be so different or even not exist. Uh, so so. That is not what the argument is. It's it's about like, is it fun to play today? If you were to go back and grab an N sixty four controller, probably not. No, I will say and, this and though: most of the good games, if you want to play them, are done better somewhere else nowadays. It is. It is. I, I totally totally know what you mean. The one thing I will say about the N sixty four is that I do, and it, this is not exclusive to the N sixty four, but I feel like it sort of died out around here. I think there were PlayStation twos that were made like this too, but uh, that like clear plastic clear colored plastic look for like controllers and for consoles is something that i love and i wish that like i could get joy con like switch joy cons that were like like that i mean i'm sure they make them like on etsy or whatever but i don't want to like I, I wish they could be like you know 70 bucks from like officially licensed nintendo ones but that was a good look so anyway my next thing is uh that i do now now hold on i do think that breath of the wild is good I think it's a good game. Do you? I need you to listen to me, what I'm about to say next, understanding that I did just say that I think it's good, and I think it has a lot of merit, and I would recommend that just about anyone play it. I don't think it's the like second coming of Christ that everyone proclaims it to be, one. And two, I don't think it's a very good Zelda game. Now hold on. Now what's what's this what's this fool mean about it's not a good Zelda game? Of course it's a good Zelda game. Link's in it, Zelda's in it. What more do you want? Uh like a like a good temple like um some items that are not bombs that that have like a lot of like puzzle solving properties and I know that you get the bomb like the remote bomb and the like freeze water thing and the like stasis object. But to me I would like like a boomerang that can pick up a heart piece. And I know that boomerangs are in it, but it's like a lot different or maybe, do, do you know what I'm trying to say? I would just. Can I, can I add to what you're saying? Yeah. 
Like, I, I totally am on, on board with you. Um, I would also think a majority of Zelda games are a little bit overrated. I would say that's probably true. But I, I just think that everyone losing their mind about Breath of the Wild is a little it's a little bit weird to me. And and again, like maybe not again, because I got this game when I lived in Australia for six months. And so I played one game while I was down there and it was Zelda. And so maybe I got a little close to the game because it was the only game that I played. And so, you know, I mean, you know, when you spend a lot of time with a game, you start to see a little bit more of its faults but and, and flaws. But like the problem is there's only three enemies and they're all just they're they you know how they're they're if they're stronger than they were at the beginning is if they're a different color and that doesn't do anything for me that doesn't make me feel like i'm killing and attacking and taking on new challenges because the goblins all act the same no matter what level they are or what level you are and it just it just felt like again good game but it didn't feel like it was a great entry into the zelda series and uh that is that is my opinion I think one of the reasons I like Zelda, um, specifically going, well, actually, even from uh, uh, A Link to the Past, I think Zelda games are one of the few times that Nintendo actually told a good story in their video games. Yeah. And yeah. it's like when they take the most risks in terms of interesting storytelling, and, and, and I, I think that's a, like a strong point of it. But then you get to Breath of the Wild, and that is one of the weakest Zelda stories and not very, I don't think it's a very good story at all. Um, well, I would say that if I may counter what you're saying and, and like be the people who love this game is that's the point. The story, it's not about telling a good story. It's about the journey. And that makes sense. And I agree. And I understand. However, I would like a good story in my Zelda. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, and, and there's definitely there's definitely like the seeds of a good story and a good world. And I think they do a good job of world building here mm-hmm. more so than other Zelda games. Um, and the, the thing about that, it's really weird because if you ask me, okay, you can replay one Zelda game, what is it going to be? And I would probably tell you it's going to be Breath of the Wild. And I've already played it twice, uh, like mm-hmm. completely from beginning to end. Um, and the reason I would play that game again is not because it's the best Zelda game, um, just because it is, I don't have to do it in the same way again. Yeah. And right. I have freedom and creativity to go about how I want to do another playthrough any way I want. And I think mm-hmm. the the things that that game excels in, I think it's um, physics are great. I think it's kind of like problem solving if then statements in that game are kind of amazing to think about like yeah. how oh, much totally. they thought about this kind of stuff. Uh, I think from a sandbox perspective, I would go back in that world and just mess around. Um, but I don't think it's one of the best games of all time. I really don't. Um, and I do think there are other better Zelda games out there. Personally, Wind Waker is my favorite Zelda game. And um, I don't think this one is as uh, good as that to me. That That's the whole thing, though. Like, it just, to me, it's like, are there better Zelda games? Yeah. There's a few, and I think that's a problem, at least for me, if we're talking about, like, hey, what's the best Zelda game? I feel like a lot of people will be like, oh, Breath of the Wild, hands down. And, like, I would just disagree because, again, I don't think it's a bad game. In fact, I think it's a great game. But to me, a Zelda game has a handful of elements that I am that I really like that just weren't included in this one. That means that it just felt a lot less, like, done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm excited I, to see what this the sequel will be, 
because traditionally with Zelda games, as you're aware, is like the first one is pretty like cut and dry, like, hey, here's what this is. But then like if they're doing like a direct sequel to it, that's when things get a little bit weird. That's when you get like, I mean, this is a bad example, but like spirit tracks <laughs> or like, <laughs> um, or, or like, like Majora's Mask. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think if I'm going to say why people are talking about Breath of the Wild, the, like uh, as amazing is because I think it is for as, as contradictory as this is going, going to seem, it's one of the more accessible Zelda games for anyone to play oh, yeah. because the way you can solve your problems, you don't have to do it in a direct way. You can just find your own solution. You can find your own path. You can do whatever you want. And I think that for for certain gamers, like that makes this game more interesting to them. And I think if we're thinking about the streaming culture that we're in now, this makes a hell of a streaming game, whereas all yeah. the other Zelda games wouldn't. And I... It's it, it's one of those things that I'm like, if this wasn't called Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, would this still be as successful, or would it just Can be I, a Genshin Impact? I was gonna say, <laughs> like, if it was called Genshin Impact, would it still be successful? Yeah, it seems that way. There's a to your point, and then we can move on about talking about accessibility and and being able to just like walk into this game. There's a great, uh, there's a handful of videos on YouTube by this guy named uh, like his YouTube name is like Rasputin or something like that. And he does gaming for a non-gamer. And he had his wife asked to play a game once, a ho- a Hollow Knight. She was like, can I play that game? And he's like, yes, this is going to be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, and, and, like, and, that would be the starting point, but sure. <laughs> and so and so they like they played all these games together and he made like this 20-minute long video saying, here's sort of what I discovered about the language that, that video games have taught me through my whole life that are not immediately clear uh, for for her and he did a follow-up saying like i had her sit down with breath of the wild and she actually really liked it because you don't need to necessarily understand all of those rules mm-hmm. because breath of the wild is so like mm-hmm. yes yeah, do it how you want to do it like whatever i don't care you figure it out so I, I would i would say that it's a great game for that kind of thing for especially for people who are new to games what's your next thing all right my next thing yep and this is kind of builds off of i guess the n64 thing to a certain degree uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't get Mario. I really don't get Mario. I don't get why, why people. You're glad, good because yeah. I, I'm 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 afraid to say this. I just don't get it. Um, I I definitely I, I think going back to the N64 thing. I think Mario 64 has a place for 3D gaming. It is an mm-hmm. influential game because of that. I don't I don't I don't like it. Um, I don't like two uh, the the side scrolling Mario games. Um, I, I don't really have fond memories or like to play 3D Mario games. I've tried. I really have. I just don't. I don't get it. I uh, I have fond memories of Mario on the N64, uh, not the N64, on the NES, because my dad had an NES, and so we would like plug it in, play games, and we played a lot of Mario. And like watching him be really good at it, and like us being terrible at it was like awesome. And he showed us like the warp zone and all that, and that's awesome. That said, like if I like I wouldn't play that game for fun today. I've played actually a surprising amount of Mario Maker with my girlfriend, but it's not because like like I don't play it on my own that much. I played a, a bunch of it on my own the, when I first got it because I was like I want to see what this game has to offer, but we've played a lot of it together because it's a fun activity for us to do, but for me personally, I I'm not going to just go back and play through those levels, you know what I'm saying? The thing with Mario and I was talking to a mutual friend of ours. His name is Josh. He loves Mario. 
And I was talking about like, I just can't, I just don't get it. He was like, the thing is for him remembering watching the evolution of that was crazy. And so it's kind of like playing all these new Mario games is like checking up on an old friend where it's like, Oh, what are you doing? You might not be the best looking. You might not be the best story or whatever, but like, that's, that's kind of what it is. And for me, someone who doesn't really have that, like it just never really did anything for me. I played Mario Odyssey for like three hours and I was like, I get it. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Okay. I, I, I see what you're going for here. Um, Again, it's not a bad game, but it's just not really my thing. With I will say, um, I, there are three Mario games that I like. First one is Luigi's Mansion for the GameCube. That's a great game. It's a good game. And then um, Yoshi's Island is good, but I, that might be because I played it a lot as a kid and I haven't gone back to it. <laughs> um, uh, I always I have... have great memories of the level Touch Fuzzy get dizzy oh please that tell was, me you remember this level i'm like i'm trying to remember i'm so remembering mechanics. basically there's these it looks like little like white puffs that float across the screen oh yes yes and if yes, you touch yes. them it like you're going on a like, drug wonky. trip yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like oh it was one of my favorite levels and I, I do think uh there's some creative stuff in that game specifically too that that are great um and it, you know it's funny you mentioned that too because i don't i'm not a fan of the of the, the 2d uh mario games in general mm-hmm. um and I think that is a bigger thing because I am not a fan of 2D platformers in general. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are definitely some fun moments. You know, I, I totally understand that Mario, even looking at Mario Bros. 1, a game, not Mar- is it Mario, Mar- the first Mario? Uh, Super I, Mario Brothers. Yeah, I tried to beat that game um, it, when it came to, like, when, it, when the virtual console came out for Switch. I was like, I'm uh-huh. going to beat this game. I'm going to finally check this off my gaming bucket list. And, like, as I'm playing through that, like, I understand, like, at the time, this must have been awesome. Like, there are multiple paths and places you can go. There's, like, a a bunch of secrets and things, like the warp zones you were talking about. Like, that's so cool. Um, But, again, from my perspective and my nostalgia with video games, that is not where where I uh, go to if thinking about awesome games. And even with Mario 64, um, I before I wrote this down, I went to play Mario 64 again. And uh, the camera's maddening in that game, uh, but so was every 3D game back in that time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's better than I think I gave it credit for when I first played it. I mean, full disclosure, I played this game when I was six years old when it first came out. <laughs> right, right. Right? Like, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I'm, like, jumping probably, just doing whatever. And that game is pretty hard, specifically for someone like my age <laughs> at that time yeah. to play. So playing it in with the with my current lens, like I'm like, oh, there's actually some good stuff here, but I don't know. I still would rather go back and play Banjo Kazooie for some reason. I think that game has more more things that I find fun. I don't know. I just don't. I don't get the Mario bro. I don't, he's not my bro. Uh, Paper him. Mario: Thousand Year Door is one of my favorite games of all time. I have not revisited it. However, if and when a Switch port comes from that game, I will be playing. Uh, do you can I talk about my next thing? Sure, please. Okay, I don't. And this might not be a controversial opinion, but I just don't like sandbox video games. <laughs> I just I don't like sandbox games because with like a handful of exceptions because I get really overwhelmed when a game is like, okay, so you can do this or you can you can do some side quests or you can do some of these random quests or you can play uh, Pokemon cards for nine hours. So, Looking at you, Witcher 3. 
I, I'm uh, just smiling because it's very funny that after your your Witcher and Breath of the Wild ones, you're going into the sandbox game oh, because that's like maybe. absolutely makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that might be true. That might be true. But I mean, I would say that I think that Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a is an example of a great sandbox. And it is an example of a game that justifies it having a sandbox. I feel like a lot of games when they're like, oh, it's going to be an open world game. I'm like, why? Why? For what? But I think Breath of the Wild makes use of the open world in interesting and creative ways. Whereas every Assassin's Creed game does not. And it's like, I think in the first one, it was cool because it was like, okay, so the sandbox is available for you to gain intel on the guy you have to go assassinate. And I think that is a creative way of using the sandbox and justifying its existence. And to get that intel, you had to do side quests for people, and there were all sorts of different things to do. Whereas, like, now, it's just like, oh, yeah, you can go do this if you want, or not, whatever. And like, but, I, but Fallout 4, I bought you the game. You... You're the game designer. Tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Like, don't, I don't like the games that are like, you can do anything. It's like, well, I wanted to play a video game. Um, so, so, yeah. I, so, I would, like, yeah. when you, can you define what you mean by sandbox game? Uh, if I say open world, does that help? Because, I, like, I mean, are those the same thing? Because when I think of a sandbox, I think of something like you can solve this any way you want, given the tools you're given, versus an open world game is where you can go wherever you want, but you're still kind of restricted to things. Okay, then I would probably say uh, open world over sandbox is what I don't like. Cause sand, because I mean, you look at if, if would you be saying like a game like Dishonored is a sandbox game, more so, not an open world game. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Because yeah. I liked a game like Dishonored where it does say like, depending on how you want to do this, you can do however many things here. Um, but the open world stuff just doesn't do anything for me. Because uh, what I found is like at the end of the day it usually feels extremely unpolished to me. Like I've seen a lot of wonderful screenshots of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but I, when I played that game, it looked and did like very bad. Yeah. I think I totally like, and the reason I want to distinguish that because I like the more sandboxy games to, to a point. And I think Mm -hmm. the problem with open world games is that I I feel like that that's been the buzzword of of gaming over the past 10 years is that you got to have an open world game. You got to do this. And what happens is it creates bloat. And it creates a, a game. And Days Gone is one of these that's an open world game for the sake of being an open world game. I think that game yeah. could be much better suited if everything was tighter and smaller in a game like that. But the fact that it has to be an open world game kind of just makes it too big and, and you're taken away from a good story and you're drawing the focus away from what you should be. And just because you can have a big world doesn't mean you should. But I, I do disagree with you with I think uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is a great game. Is that um, true? Yeah, I think it's a great game. <laughs> okay that's it that's, that's what we'll talk about next week is just a debate where i'm saying like it's bad uh it's not bad it's just didn't do anything for me oh, I, and I, I can get that side of things too um i think that what that game did that i like is they have this option where you can have your map filled out or it's more of kind of an exploratory thing that you do yeah yeah um and that makes it a little bit more fun uh, to explore the world rather than just follow the the question marks to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I just like a game like that that's done as cleanly as uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey where you can just polish off your checkboxes. Well, well, to me, it's also... You get games like Spider-Man, and I think that that game is totally benefits from being an open-world game for the most part. And 
a lot of the missions are about like how well are you, how good are you at traversing here? I mean, a lot of it also comes down to like okay, beat up eight men, but like, <laughs> but it, but I, I think that a lot of the the side stuff is cool and it is about like learning how to traverse and using different powers and and things like that. Which that hey that does something for me because it makes me think like oh okay I understand why this is an open world but when I hear about sequels to games being like we're going open world uh, the the Last of Us Part Two was supposed to be an open world game where they had thrown that idea around and I I think you can see some of the bones of that in that first day in Seattle mm-hmm. however I would be I think that would have ruined the game for me because I just don't like being dropped in a world where they're like you can go anywhere and it's like but tell me where to go right <laughs> you made the game right right so there was one, there was something else i was going to say about it but i did forget so what's your next thing so my next thing and i'm going to start off by just clarifying that i love video yep. games i love them i do uh, you liked them enough to to do a podcast with me every week about it and spend a lot of time doing the playing them right like i like yeah. i i love them but video games are really a waste of time <laughs> now that's interesting i disagree with you but i'm curious to hear what you mean by that they take up so much time um in in your life and i think that there are definitely pros and cons with that i'm the kind of person who's never bored because there are video games out there and i yeah. i feel if someone like it's like oh i don't have anything to do i'm like have you heard of video games that can fill your time but like on on a very like basic level and the reason i quit most video games like after playing them for a while is because i'm like what what am i actually getting out of this mm-hmm. like what is what is this benefiting me to check in with Genshin Impact every day and make yeah. my numbers go up on my character? What am I going to be getting from spending hours in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, checking every question mark box and getting that off there so I can get a platinum trophy? What am I actually getting by that? And like it like there's a fine there's a balance in act when it's good to have like a hobby and stuff like that, but I do think video games essentially you're not building skills. Uh, that are going to be helping you outside of just being an entertainment medium. Um, and while I love it and I do it, I do think that they're an awful waste of time. Okay. So I I understand what you mean. And I would like to start by saying, so have you ever watched uh, videos by The Completionist? Yes. Yeah, I think he's fun. I think yeah. he's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he's fun. Um, and and I've, I've recently discovered his channel and I've watched you know, a handful of his videos. And he talks a lot about, uh, if, for those who don't know, The Completionist is a guy on YouTube who every single week, like, completes 100% completes a video game uh, and kind of reviews them from that lens, which is kind of cool because I would say that that is not any, like, a lot of people don't do that because that's insane. Uh, and I, th- I, think if, I think if I had his job, I would not like video games anymore. Right. Uh, but I think that he, he talks about a, a lot about, he says the phrase, when games don't give you something for 100% completing the game. And I'm always like, and sometimes I think about like, well, no games give you anything. Like you get something in game, but once you've 100% completed it, there's no more reason to play the game. I, in Spider-Man, that was the first game that I platinumed on, on the PlayStation. And for getting the platinum trophy, you get a new outfit for Spider-Man. It's him wearing the mask and his like Spider-Man uh, underwear. And that's fun. But I was like, I'm never going to, use this because i finished the game and i when i start thinking about that i start thinking about like am i wasting my life playing video games what could i have accomplished in the time that i've spent playing video games in 2020 alone what could i have done and then i start thinking about like but it mattered to me and it's fun to me and it 
is I experienced things and was able to like express myself is maybe the wrong word because I'm not creating art, but I'm able to experience these stories in a medium that I think is the best at conveying emotion and, and telling stories and stuff like that. And so my question for you is, so then like what hobbies are not a waste of time and what term, what, what like media is not a waste of time? Cause you could say the same thing about books. What have you gotten from a book? What have you gotten from a movie, you know, or a TV show? Is it all just a waste of time if you, if you don't get something tangible from it? Yeah. So like, well, oh, I thought you said yes. And I was like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the one of one of my, my the things that's always in the back of my mind, and this is mm-hmm. a, a crazy thing considering what I do for a profession as being a teacher. Um, but one of the things in the back of my mind, I always like to think about: if we are in a zombie apocalypse, is mm-hmm. this skill going to translate? And I know that sounds stupid, but just hear me out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it in terms of like improving ourselves as as people and individuals and doing something to work towards something. Mm-hmm. When we're thinking about entertainment, I think entertainment in general is inherently time wasting to a certain degree. Not that that wasting time is a bad. I'm that the connotation of that is that it's bad, but the the idea that you're not doing something to 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 build skills and and better yourself in terms of leveling up. Like if you're in like a video game, right? Like you're not yeah. leveling up yourself as a person. Um, and there's so many ways that we can do that. And video games can help lubricate that situation, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about like playing uh, games with your friends. Like I think that's a strong thing because you're not necessarily wasting your time if you're, if you're hanging out, talking to people, keeping up with those relationships. Like I think that's an important thing to do. But in terms of just getting doing something to, to, to better ourselves as people, I don't think video games can do do don't don't not can do that. I don't think video games are an effective use of time. I always get, have this inherent guilt about it though because there are so many other things in the world that I could be doing. Sure, um, sure. And I I I always go back to like, well, I mean, what am I really getting out of this? Um and to me, that is something I think that it is there are, are better uses of time, but I like investing my time in video mm-hmm. games. Question then: uh, Have you ever learned anything important from a game, or or cons- like? I think one one skill that I and it, you know what came first, the chicken or the egg kind of situation here. I think my problem solving skills are pretty strong, and yeah. I, I think that is partially in, in because of video games. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm the kind of person who likes to figure things out, and sometimes it's yeah. nice to have that kind of guided experience in which someone's telling you to do something, and you can try to find your own way to do that and figure something out. Um, I feel like sometimes uh, in, in terms of storytelling and stuff like that, uh, learning how to tell stories, learning dramatic beats, learning that kind of stuff, I think you can that can translate to the, the real world more or less. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, uh, you know, even like playing Guitar Hero, you're sitting there playing nah, that and you're like, I, I could learn to play guitar. Right, right. I, that, that, you know, that's interesting. That is a very interesting point and opinion that I could talk about. I think for a very long time with you because I, I like, I think I disagree with you one hundred percent. And I think that's okay because obviously this is like extremely trivial and doesn't matter. But like to me, games make me feel things. Games have taught me things about myself that maybe I didn't understand and know simply by 
empathizing with the characters and things like that. And obviously there are some games that do that more than others. And I think that's why personally the games that I latch onto are about story and characters and that kind of thing, because I have a hard time personally um, playing a game that's not, that doesn't tell a story or that doesn't say anything you know, like games that are just mindless entertainment almost. It's it's like, for whatever reason, I find something like Fortnite addictive, but I don't know why, because there's no story. There's no like real progression other than the meter going up and up and up and saying that I'm okay, I'm level 17 now or whatever. But I think that to me, if you are doing something that makes you happy or doing something that makes you feel something, or if you're just doing something, whatever, because you want to, it cannot be a waste of time. I, and again, I don't disagree with that point either. Right, right, right. Like, I think there's definitely, like, an emotional kind of, like, impact that video games can have on people. And I wouldn't spend so much time on video games if I didn't like them and didn't enjoy them. Um, but, like, I I, it, it, I guess the, the core question for me with, with video games in general is, like, what is it doing? Like, it's just not doing... Like I could, there's I could be learning how to cook, to bake, sure, sure. to do something out in the world, to 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 write a story, to like there's so much more things that I could do in that time that when I'll like you know like I kind of off the cuff say I played Genshin Impact for you know over you know at this point probably thirty hours at this point yeah what has that gotten me sure other than like I'm better at the game yeah right <laughs> it's right. filled my time. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't. I I don't think it's gotten me much anything other than content to talk about in this podcast. But like, you know, and right. I still do it not for this podcast. I did this because it was on there and I was playing it. Um, and it and I think this is more maybe a me thing, which is feeling the guilt about that and knowing that there is so much more to do um, in the world in general than just playing video mm-hmm. games. Um, and you know, I don't know about you. I, there's definitely points and periods in my life where I've kind of been super into video games and played them a ton and then other ones when I've kind of stepped back a little bit and just not played it quite as much and I think for the past eight years I've been pretty pretty since the PS4 came out I've been pretty pounding through with video games a lot um but yeah it just I guess that guilt (laughs) uh here are you ready to, to disagree with me sure Okay, I think Bioshock Infinite is the uh my favorite one in the series and I think that it is it does better things for me personally than Bioshock 1 did. And I would say include Bioshock 2 in that, but I don't think Bioshock 2 is anyone's favorite unless maybe I'm wrong about that, but <laughs> um cuz I I know that I know that you are a big fan of the first. Am I? Uh when Bioshock Infinite came out, here's a fun thing. Uh when Bioshock Infinite Infinite came out, I was a student in your classroom. And I said that I really liked it. And you told me that you didn't like it at all because you didn't think that the powers had any place in the world, in the, in the world of the story. And the only reason they're in there is because they were in the first one, which I agree with. Um, yeah, but I, I like Bioshock Infinite a lot more than I like Bioshock The Ridge. And, and I told so for me, like Bioshock one is a rose colored glass situation. When you're mm-hmm. looking back at that game, it looks so much better than when you go back and replay it. When's the last time you played Bioshock one? Freshman year of college, bought the collection. And what are your thoughts and then the, on replaying it? Uh, well, my, my thoughts are the same. I So I actually replayed Bioshock Infinite la- this year, December of last year. Uh, and playing that game, I'm like, yo, this rules. This game 
feels good. It looks good. The story is really interesting and goes into a lot of interesting places. Also, this isn't a an argument for like saying, oh, you have to play the DLC to understand the <laughs> real story uh, sucks. But if you play the DLC, it connects the world of Rapture and Columbia a lot closer and it explains why they have the powers there. I mean, I don't think that's good storytelling, but um, it does that. Um, but yeah, I would say that going back and p- playing it is like, it's it's a fine game. I would say it's a good game. I would say it's a great game. But um, I, I think that there are other... In terms of like fun factor, <laughs> there are better games. Uh, yeah, and and I because I I feel like Bioshock Infinite is more fun to play, and yes. when you go back to play it, it's more fun on that thing. And I even think some of the storytelling stuff they do with it is more interesting. I think at at the be when I first played through Infinite, the ending was disappointing to me for kind of stupid reasons. Um, I felt like that last kind of wave-based fighting that section when you're on the airship, yeah. right? I didn't like that. I wanted it to be a more of a of a bigger conclusion. But then I'm like, what did I want? Like a, a video game boss fight? Because we know how much we like those games. Like when you end with a boss fight that had nothing to do with the rest of the game, right? Well, and that's then, what happened in the first one right, <laughs> in Bioshock. Exactly. exactly. Like... Um, and then you, you, you have this like multiple... Uh, not realities, what do they call that? Um, yeah, like dimensions and... Multiple dimension kind of theory thing. And it may, maybe at that time, it just didn't hit me the way that made it interesting, that connected all this stuff together. Um, mm-hmm. But like, in retrospect, and and I, I haven't beaten that, I haven't beaten either Bioshock from point A to point B since I played them the first time, but I've gone back and played both of them pretty, yeah. like, enough. Um, and... Like, I even think right now, you asked me to play one of these, it would definitely be Bioshock Infinite. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, I mean, I would say, again, it, like, I'm not saying Bioshock, like, OG is a bad game, but as many things, I think as many things that we've said today could be summed up with, old games are old, and, like, it was very influential for a whole lot of games, it was, like, for so in so many different ways that weren't even like totally anticipated with with like audio logs are now a thing <laughs> <laughs> that that you can just listen to while you're sort of perusing things but um i i would say that for those reasons bioshock yeah and is even like in favorite. the first bioshock it was like are you going to be using one of your powers or a weapon right that sucks that's yeah. not fun <laughs> Like, I don't want to do that. But, like, in Infinite, all the different, like, combinations and stuff that you have with them, like, I think that is so much more interesting and the gameplay becomes more fun and the skyhook thing while it didn't quite live up to the freedom that they were showing in the in the previews when they were first coming up with that. Like, yeah. I, I think that was, those are still fun, like, moments in the game. Um, and it, it really is interesting to to go back and play games that you liked a lot when you were younger. Um with. It's a fun way to make you feel feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to make you feel like you've wasted your childhood because video games are a waste of time. So my next uh, opinion. Yeah, what's your thing? <laughs> what, no, what's your thing? No, like that's that's all I have to say about it is that uh, I'm excited for the next five years when a new Bioshock game comes out. Are they making one? Yeah. Cool. But they're like very, very early. Like, like the last I heard about it, which was probably December of last year, uh, they were like, the like the job listings were going up for it, so we have a lot of time until that game comes out. Cool, 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 cool. Um, this next one, there's a lot of layers to this one. This, this is your final one, isn't it? It's my final one. Yeah. 
a lot of layers to this one. People are, in almost every situation, wrong about Mass Effect. Now, I may or may not agree with you here. Are you saying Mass Effect good game, you smart? Or are you saying Mass Effect bad game, you are smart? A little bit of everything. Okay. I didn't really, like, I didn't really get a lot out of Mass Effect. So, I think Mass Effect as a series, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think people's, like, level of where the good games are, what the good games are, what are not the good games are, what the not good systems are, are 100% wrong. I do not think Mass Effect 2 is the best game of that series, and everyone would say it is. I do not think Mass Effect 3 ends in a bad way. Everyone says it does. I do not think Mass Effect Andromeda is a bad game. Everyone else says it is. I think the the best playing game and the most fun one to play is Mass Effect Andromeda. Does it have the best story? It does not. I don't believe that at all. Um, but uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is a fun game to play. You should play it. And if you haven't played it um, because you were told it was bad, uh, you should play it. And if you think it was bad, you should go back and play the original Mass Effect games because they ain't that good. If you think that Mass Effect Andromeda is bad, go replay those first three games. Not very good at all. I also think that the first Ma- uh, Mass Effect game in terms of its like kind of RPG combat and more of like like number based stuff, uh, I actually think it's pretty fun. I like that a lot. Um, I, I wish the games kept with that a little bit more than just being very basic actiony games. Um, and uh, yeah, th- those are some some of my initial thoughts. But I really do think people have a very skewed perception of Mass Effect being this amazing series one through three. Um, that Mass Effect Two is the pinnacle of perfection in terms of games, um, and the the that Andromeda is bad. All right, you said a lot of things here. I did. We can we can break these down because I just have a lot of feelings about this. Um, I, I, you can okay. So here's here's what I'll say. First of all, um, it is not hard to get a copy of Mass Effect Andromeda. GameStop is is basically GameStop says you just want a copy of Mass Andromeda. <laughs> just also, all you they, have to do is stop in. That, they they sell that game for like ninety nine cents. It, it, they sell it for like Duke Nukem uh, forever <laughs> levels of cheap. Um, which I also got for 99 cents. I think I got it for a quarter at GameStop. Okay, so uh, I want to talk about Mass Effect 3 cool. and the endings of Mass Effect 3. So again, I didn't love... I only I only played Mass Effect 2 and 3. I didn't play 1. Um, because when I when I was first starting to like really play games, it I played the games that were at my house that my older brother just yeah, had. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and then I think I got... Mass Effect 3 is a gift because I was playing because someone saw me playing Mass Effect. <laughs> and you're like, you don't understand. The wrong one. You um, got me the wrong one. <laughs> so so Mass Effect 3, I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, the people aren't saying that the endings are bad, but they're saying that the like the uproar about the endings was that you made all of these like choices throughout all of these games and that it all boils down to like pick which flavor you wanted at the end, which I'll say this. What were they expecting? Yeah. Like how can you end that? You can't end it a different way. Right. Right. Um, uh, let me think Mass Effect two being the best. Okay. You th- which one is the best for you then? Mass Effect one. Uh, I think Mass Effect three would be my favorite. Um, okay. 
I, I don't know if that's necessarily controversial, but like people always go back to Mass Effect Two as being like the the perfect Mass Effect, the best story and everything. And when I say everyone, I'm talking about like you know the random people on the internet and the random faces yeah, out yeah, there yeah. or everything like that. But I think the the narrative and how everything kind of comes to a to a head. I think the DLC specifically for Mass Effect Three really do a good job of of tel- filling in the holes that people had with uh, Mass Effect Three ending. If you really play through all of those, uh, I I think it does a great job. Um, what is the, the the DLC when you have like the party um, in it? Uh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. They were they were like, uh, this is supposed to fix the endings. I don't know. Uh, I didn't play it. But like the the there's the one where they have like this party and it's kind of like this like really like goofy type of setup which almost feels out of place yeah. with Mass Effect Three. But it it's such a good job of like of having payoff for all these characters and these relationships to just see how they'd hang out when the world wasn't going to be ending. Um, and I really do think there's so much about that game that is great. Uh, and the combat is the best of the original trilogy. So I think that in itself makes that game better. Um, the, the, I, I like that game a lot. Um, but it's not perfect. Three? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's not perfect um, though. I, here's the thing. I have I have very little thoughts about Mass Effect other than I didn't get it when I played it. And at this point, I feel like it's a little too late. <laughs> it, it, not that I didn't get it, but I just I never felt like I was making particularly important choices. There was a few times, obviously, when you are, uh, but like I think is this a Mass Effect three when you're choosing to either shut down your buddy Legions like people or. Let them kill like a doctor's people. There's like a big fight going on between them. Do you know what I'm talking about? It kind of blurred together to me, but you have the choice between like, hey, which race do you save? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, cool choice, guys. Um, But I remember being like, I don't feel like I have enough information here about either. Well, and I think I think people like who are clamoring for the 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 Mass Effect trilogy remake to come out on on Switch or whatever they want it to come out in. Oh yeah, I think. With you know you you play that game again, I think they're going to be disappointed, and I think those people who are disappointed in Andromeda are going to be like, wait a second, actually these games aren't that much better than Andromeda, and we were wrong. All right, what's your final unpopular opinion? My final thing is that hype beasts ruin the excitement of so much, so many things for me. Like it just the thing that's coming to mind specifically right now is the new consoles. Um, I'm the kind of person who I like to be excited kind of quiet for stuff because I don't want to be really excited for something and then have it be really bad. I think the most excited, like outwardly I've ever been for something was for like Avengers Endgame. And I was just so happy that it wasn't bad that it that that it was like because I didn't want to be embarrassed. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to be like, no, I know, ne- I never, I never wanted to watch that movie. Uh, but, but with like the new consoles and stuff coming out, I saw a video of someone talking about like it was like a five minute video of them being extremely excited about um, the new achievement system, not achievement trophy system for the PS5, and they were talking about how like, okay, so you remember on the PS4 when you got a trophy, it took a screenshot, right? Well, now it takes a a 30-second video, and they were very excited about that, and it was just a video of them playing Astrobot's Playroom, and they're like, this moment is captured forever. Now you're always going to have this moment of when you got that achievement. And I know a lot of people care a lot about achievements and, like, trophies and whatever. I would say we do to a certain extent. I I like popping a good platinum trophy more, just like everyone else, but... 
is that what like is that why you're excited for new games is to be able to watch the replay of you getting all of the achievements i mean like i mean like there are achievements for like made it to the first checkpoint is that you really want 30 you want to have to go and manually delete all of the all of the videos that are going to be saved on your hard drive i don't know maybe i'm being like dumb but it's just like the hype makes me feel like very embarrassed to like things you know and and i think that excitement is cool and i and i do like being hyped for stuff but i think like the idea of being a hype beast where it's like you're hyped for so many things and every single thing is the coolest thing it's just like it's not it's and it's okay that not everything is super super important so just let it be unimportant do you know what i mean yeah i think uh, you asked you asked me like i'm sorry no i just asked you asked me like two episodes ago i think when they finally unveiled like the ui for the playstation you were like what do you think about this i'm like nothing because it's it's nothing yet because i don't have it so i have no opinions on <laughs> if it's good or not um i i think one one thing that's a little confusing to me is mm-hmm. the hype cycle for the ps5 and the xbox series x yeah because why are they doing this because either you're going to get this in a couple weeks and you're going to be happy and be able to do this stuff yourself or you're not going to get it in a couple weeks, nor will you get it for a while because there's no right, stock of right. this stuff. So they're just going to make you feel more upset that you don't have it. <laughs> like, what's the point? At, at least for the for the PlayStation 5 Series X thing, it's just kind of like they're building up this, this hype for something that I think people clearly care about already. Like, this would have been great before pre-orders came up, maybe, to really, like, build that that cycle to make you want to purchase something. Um, exactly. But, like, to this point, it's just kind of like... I don't want to spoil it or you're just making for like, if you're seeing this stuff, like it's just making you like, I don't want to see this yet or I'm not going to have this. So why do I care? Well, and that's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, I'm already on board that I'm going to get this. So, and I guess more information and, and I'm being a crotchety old man. Cause like, it's just someone being excited about something. So that's bad. And I'm smart, but like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, I don't know. It just turns me off from from being excited about things because it's like it's just the ui guys it's just what it's going to look like when you play it and it'll get updated at some point halfway through the the life cycle it's okay so yeah i think hype in general is just like one of those things that people build hype because they want it to be a, a, a large like big experience they want it to be cool they want people to like be interested in it. they want it to be part of the conversation and i think that's one of the the hard things about even what we do as as being podcasters and podcasting and talking about video games and things like that and you know trying to you know do things that people are going to want to hear and be interested in and creating this quote unquote hype towards things that we're talking about yeah. uh and I, I i just think that that can sometimes be and it's ironic that this is the way to end out the unpopular opinion thing because when <laughs> right. we're hyping up our opinions and stuff like that and then people disagree and then people get angry and people start screaming at us for stuff um, or scream at anyone for doing this stuff, it, you're, it's just creating this like – the, the actual <laughs> – the culture it's creating can be problematic, I think, by like hyping stuff up to a degree. Um, and it's annoying to hear people just say that. <laughs> Well, and and to me, to me, it dilutes when there are people who are always so excited for stuff. It to me a little bit dilutes what they're actually trying to say. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. if you're always at a ten level of excitement for 
uh, Astrobot Playroom, if you're at a 10 level of excitement for that game, then how can I understand what you're actually excited about? You know, and, and I know like we all experience excitement in different ways, but it feels like a lot of people make a big are trying to make this be really good and really exciting when it's like mixed levels of excitement and and whatever just because of the way that this has been ha- like new new consoles have been handled and and whatever but maybe i'm just being a big baby and like trying to rain on people's parades but it's just i get so turned off when when it's like you have to watch our new video because we're talking about the unboxing of the PlayStation 5. And it's oh, like, that is such an annoying thing. Like, like unboxings uh, are just oh, in general. Oh, my God. But, you know, I, I, I we say that and we sit here watching all speed runs and stuff like that. That's how we choose to use our time versus, I guess, other people. You can't you can't you can't. If people like to watch that, that's fine. I don't think that's right. good content. I don't want to watch that. It's annoying to me. That that I would say that that puts a nice little bow on it. It's fine if you like it. I don't care if you do do or don't. It just does nothing for me, and it makes me like le- le- feel weird about myself. So, is this like, how we're gonna like, end? The it's like the puberty of video gonna... games, you know? Yeah, yes, it is. It makes me embarrassed. It makes me. It's like it's like if I was a YouTuber and I watched Jake Paul or whoever like being extremely embarrassing on the news and like that's the touchstone of what being a youtuber is to like your mom so it's like no i, I don't do that i'm not a i don't i'm not a youtuber i uh, you know what i'm saying oh yeah <laughs> so anyway listen thanks for listening to hitbox it's our podcast talking about you know all things video games past present and future we did a little bit of all three of those things today um in sort of our conversation here so thank you so much for listening i i truly do appreciate it uh, if you felt so inclined to share this show with a friend, that would just truly mean the world to me and and my good friend slash workplace acquaintance Justin, um, who I haven't seen in real life and in whew, uh, probably February. Yeah, it has nothing to do with COVID. It's just like a personal like. Yeah, he just yeah. he just doesn't like me, <laughs> and I don't know how to get him to <laughs> stop sending me mean emails and like. Um, he sent he sent me a bunch of, of of stink bombs in the mail. It really you know it really peeved off my parents. Um, but it also if you if you wouldn't mind following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and maybe even leaving us a review that would be that would be awesome. You can also follow us and find us on Twitter at hitboxpod or send us an email at hitboxofficialpodcast at gmail Justin, do you have anything else to uh, to add? Uh, yeah. It's a me. Overrated. Woohoo. <laughs> Remember, old games are old. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I'll stop recording. <laughs>